sales. Six days. Six days to D-Day. And by the way, the Jets showed up today. Congratulations. The New York Jets have showed up today for the start of training camp. And make no mistake about it, fantastic stuff as always. And that is awesome. Awesome. Six days away. And I was just talking to Tone here. Good afternoon to everybody in here too, by the way. Thank you guys so much for coming aboard. Um, we were just talking. Commanders selling the team. You got the Giants with Barkley. Now you got the Cowboys with Zach Martin. This is so set up for Philly. Fantastic. No noise. Look at the contract that got done for Jalen Hurts, the restructuring of deals. It was as quiet as a church mouse. They did their business so quiet in the offseason that the only thing that made people kind of look their, you know, kind of kind of kind of look up a little bit was really Matt Patricia. Why? That's been the only thing, man. That's been the only thing. You know, and quite frankly, when you look at the other teams in the NFC East and you put that compared next to that, you 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 go like this, man, nothing. Awesome. The teams that make the loudest noise in the room are usually the weakest teams in the room. Do you understand that? That's why I I always push that. If you're making a lot of noise and you're talking about whatever you're usually the weakest person in the room. And that's what you have when people are barking so much in the offseason here. Fantastic, man. The, how about this? The NFC East has so much drama in it right now. Great for me. Content. Great for the Eagles because the Eagles are focused on winning a championship. Again, it's kudos to the front office. And we're going to look at the front office today. And we're going to go deep into the front office today and how they've built this football team since how he's come out of the broom closet. But I do want to start this off. Did you see that most asinine statement from a running back in the NFL today? Austin Eckler. Someone better tell these running backs who they are. You're less than kickers now. Okay? He demands answers from NFL owners. Son. They're trying to exterminate you. They're trying to exterminate the position. They're telling you who you are, and you got to run it back with one of the cheapest owners in the NFL, demanding that he hear from owners why the pay scale has gone down for running backs. Son, the average pay for a running back in the NFL is 1.8 million. Do you know for a kicker it's 2.26? They're telling you flat out you're less valued than a kicker. Who I say is not even a football player. You're being told you're less than a kicker. By the way, Merrill Reese will join us. He'll join us at 5.30 Eastern. A kicker. Kickers average more money 
than running backs. Okay? They're telling you, these guys are not going to get their money. You're not going to get your money. The position is being devalued. Go Understand that. If you understand how the league sees you, you know what's funny? Coaches, hey, I'll tell you what I think the problem really is. Here's what the problem really is when it comes to um, when it when it comes to the running back position. Coaches value the running back position. They value it. Owners and front office people don't, because they think they can find another one of you. Okay. They think they can find another one of you. Okay. Update, Saquon Barkley explains his leverage on the Giants. F you. My leverage is I could say F you to the Giants. I could say F you to my teammates and be like, you you want me to show you my worth? You want me to show you how valuable I am to the NFL? I won't show up. I won't play it down. And that's a play I could use. I'm going to have to take that. I wouldn't, if I heard that and I was the New York Giants, I would sign Dalvin Cook. I would sign Dalvin Cook by the time I got done reading it. I would sign Dalvin Cook right now. You don't have any, you don't have a second of leverage because the Giants with you, and by the way, we're looking at the Giants today, the next opponent on the schedule for the Eagles. We're looking at the Giants. They're not going to go anywhere with you or without you. Why would I pay you $15 million? You're not that essential to building a championship team. Ch- running backs like him don't win championships. They don't. They're a non-factor. They are the least factored position in the NFL. Howie's right. Best by committee. He's right in the end. You don't have to have a future back. They get you nowhere. Adrian Peterson... Derrick Henry, all the big backs in the NFL. You see, what he's trying to do is think he's Emmett Smith. Emmett held out for those two games against the Cowboys, or for the Cowboys, and held out. I think it was three games, actually. They went 0-3. Well, Emmett was the engine on that team. It wasn't Troy, and it wasn't Michael Irvin. Emmett was the engine. Emmett had leverage. And they went and went 0-3? You know, they went on to win a Super Bowl that year. The Cowboys went on to win a Super Bowl starting out 0-3 when Emmett wasn't in the building. Okay? It's a different NFL today. It's a completely different NFL than what and when Emmett played in the game where you had leverage in the sport where they built teams around running games. The Eagles build a team. Get this. Look at how the Eagles do it. The Eagles would rather spend $15 million in a guard than $15 million in a back. Because they get more value out of the guard. Do you understand that? The guard protects the quarterback and is essential in the run game. Whomever's running the ball. Kenneth Gainwell, Boston, doesn't really matter. Pacheco. You're not going to see star players back there running the ball anymore, making big money. This is what's happened. I told you yesterday this. 
Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott killed the financial status of the NFL running back. When clubs saw how fast those guys fell off the cliff and how devalued they were after they signed those enormous deals, you never saw another giant deal ever again outside of Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, and Derrick Henry. The rest of them were decent deals. They weren't great deals. Shit, the guy in Carolina that was just an eagle may got the best. You know what? Think about it. Miles Sanders may have got the hijack steel contract of the offseason. The Eagles told him at the beginning, they did him a favor by dealing with him early, right after the year, and to- telling him, we're not resigning you. Panthers pick, I guarantee you, man, that's buyer's remorse in Carolina. That's buyer's remorse. Okay? Buyers, hey, if I'm the Cowboys, I may look at Dalvin Cook. Looks like the Patriots are now the front runner to get that guy. Tell you this, Patriots get Dalvin Cook. That's an interesting ball game for the Eagles in the opener with a team that's still got to prove to me they can stop the run. You put Dalvin Cook with that other 1,000-yard back they got in New England, they had a back last year gain a grand, and I didn't know it. You put Cook and him together, that's an interesting ball game in the opener. Do the Eagles win? Yeah, but you're not going in there, and that's not an easy ball game again, especially in the opener. Okay. That's that that would be interesting. I'm still thinking Jets, though, for Dalvin Cook. I'm still thinking Jets. But these running backs are still now get this. So think about this too. Everyone. So here, so Austin Eckler wants the owners and demands the owners answer for the pay scale of running backs. And you got Barkley telling the Giants to go F themselves. These guys don't know who they are yet. They're going through an identity crisis right now. Look, I'm telling you, the coaches value these players. The coaches will never not value a talented player at any position. But that's not how front offices see it anymore. You're expendable. And it's up to the coaches to get the maximum out of those players that running back while they have those guys Because organizations are going to move on from them dudes. They're not an essential piece to win a Super Bowl anymore. Why should owners pay it? Some go like this. Well, the Giants need them. The Giants are not going to win a Super Bowl with him and Daniel Jones as your dynamic duo. You really think the New York Giants are going to win or be in an NFC championship game? Say everything goes perfect. Say, get this. Say everything goes perfect. The Eagles have massive injuries. Do you really see the New York Giants in the NFC title game with everything going great for New York? No. No. Ever. Those two guys are not going to put a Lombardi trophy in the Giants Hall of Fame. They're not. So, again, shit management. I hear people still talking about the Sixers. Holy shit. 
I'm so glad to hear Tone talking about the Sixers. I thought his takes were fantastic with the sports take guys. Why'd you fire Doc Rivers again? I missed it. Why'd you fire Doc? I, I mean, oh, was he a scapegoat? He had to be fired because someone did. Someone had to take, you know, accountability for the 15 years of bullshit you've been feeding the Sixer fans. Jesus, criminy. How many did? I heard that interview on 97.5 with Daryl Morey, and I went like this. I don't know how people tolerate that or can swallow that. It's like taking an enema when you're talking Sixers. I mean it, man. Dude, get this. I would rather have a year of shitty basketball with a future than what you have now with the current future. Wouldn't you? I'll take a shitty year of hoop. Getting draft picks. Getting rid of everything. Starting over. At least I know I could see a tangible plan. Because with the people, dude, you you got a guy on the back nine and James Harden. That's your that's your chip when it comes to rebuilding your team. That's your chip. A dude on the back nine. You don't, he doesn't do anything for your future. He doesn't really do anything for your present. That there is what frustrates me about organizations. Dude, it took the Eagles two years to get off Wentz. You know how hard that is to get off a contract like that that has so many guaranteed years and dead money? Do, do you know the balls you have to take to go to your owner and say, we got $33 million of dead money on our cap, but we got to eat this? I thought that decision was yours when it came to getting Wentz. It was. He had to hit on Hertz. Hertz has to make it. Because you know why? There's still a $33 million note out there that he cashed on Jeffrey Lurie's bank account. That he got nothing in return. First rounders, I get it. I'm, I'm talking, dude, I don't want the first rounders. I want a franchise quarterback. First rounders, like penny stocks. It's like penny stocks. I want players, not draft picks. Because it's called prospect night. It's like watching prospect night with Velcro on the back of the jerseys with different names. You just keep ripping them off and they keep pushing prospects. That's a terrible that's a terrible thing to do to fan bases. Hey, believe it us. Bro, you've lost that. Eagles have that. Okay, they totally have that. It, it, it just, it, it, I mean, it, it's shocking. When you see the differences in organizations and how they do business. The Giants are not well run right. Hey, the Giants are not well run right now. You miss on the $18 million contract extension. Okay. You miss on that contract extension for um for Jones. You pay him 46.1 million bucks. You turn around and do that. And now you you you've had a whole year to deal with Barkley 
You can't get nothing done with him or you can't convince him. By the way, people keep throwing it's $2 million. Folks, it's not $2 million. It's the years and the money and the guarantee. That's what it is. It's the years. They don't want to be committed to Barkley for three years. You really think the New York Giants or an NFL football team is bitching over $2 million? A team in New York who's got endless money and prints their own money. You think $2 million stopped this deal? Well, then you're dumb. This comes down to commitment. This comes down to belief whether or not you think that guy is an integral part of you winning a Super Bowl. And obviously the answer to the Giants is no. They're not wrong. When it comes to fundamentally building a team, I'm not building it with a guy who breaks down. He breaks down every year in the last four he's been injured. Can't build a team around a running back. Hey, by the way, for the record, I don't want to build a football team around a running back in today's NFL. Because that means I'm still in the archaic ages and I'm not taking advantage of today's league. Rules are not changed for the running game. Rules have been changed for the wide receiver. That's why he's no longer just a Christmas ball on the tree. He's part of the ingredient for the cake. They have changed that position in importance just the way the competition committee wanted it. Can't mug the guy running down the field. You can still take out a running back any way you want. What rule has been changed for him? They're phasing them out. There's almost no fullbacks in the game. <laughs> okay? I mean, these running backs, I, I demand that, that, that Spanos talks to us and gives us an explanation why the position. Dude, he'll tell you to go sit in the corner, be thankful you're on the roster, and shut up. Or you'll beat Joe Mixon and take a pay cut. And I'll get another nobody in here. Like the Eagles are doing it. Dude. End of the day. The Eagles. How about this? Let me put it to you this way. The, the Philadelphia Eagles are the gold standard on how teams are going to have running back rooms. By the way, you didn't win a Super Bowl with a feature back either. You won it with a collection of dudes. Adai and LeGarrette Blunt. Those were your dudes. Those were the guys that gained you the yards. Okay? Kept that. And, and guess what? Your offensive line. What was the common denominator between that team and this 2022 team and this 23 team? You know what the common denominators are? You invested in both lines. If you, I, I'm convinced of this. If you have the two best, or you're in the top five, best O-line, best D-line combo, you're going to be in the Super Bowl. I'll tell you something. If you look at what the Kansas City Chiefs are doing, they got to figure out what they're going to do with Chris Jones because he may hold out. But you, you cannot not have him. And they're getting pretty good with the Reds rushers, the kid they got from Purdue a year ago. They're investing assets in their front seven because they know how important that is. And I'll tell you what, it's an underrated O-line. 
It's an underrated O-line. The Eagles spend all their money. Hey, think about this. Let's see. Wide receiver group. That's not really an expensive group outside of A.J. Brown. You're not spending a ton of money. That'll change when Devontae's off his rookie deal. But right now, you're not spending a ton of money over there. As a matter of fact, A.J. really carries the room. $25 million and the rest of the guys are making a million. It's, it's a very underpaid room. Your corners now make some money. They make $30 bucks. Your offensive line is the richest dudes in the room. Your center makes 15. Your tackles make 20 and 15. Big money, man. And your left guard makes money. That's where the Eagles spend all their dough and their quarterback. Okay? <laughs> and look at what they've done with their defensive tackle position. You see, they used my B. John Robinson philosophy, guys, tone, on Jalen Carter and, and um, Jordan Davis. They got rid of Javon Hardgrave because they didn't want to pay the $20 million. And they got two guys on rookie deals that kind of are equivalent to the money. And they pay Fletcher. In theory, they got three for one. They kept, well, two for one, really, with the same price. All you did, you moved money around. You moved Hardgrave, who wanted 20, right? You gave 10 to Fletcher. And the other money, the other 10, is in the two rookies. They just moved money around. And with a higher ceiling, potentially. I'm not saying it was a bad move. It's a smart move. Look at the way they do business. Look at how they look. That's a great move. You financially helped yourself. You may have upgraded. You got a steal in the draft. You got two tackles you invested in. They're on rookie deals. You got a guy who had seven sacks a year ago in Fletcher. I don't know. And you moved a guy who I think is suspect in the run game himself. That's smart business. And 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 what's his name, Slay? Cost himself three and a half million dollars because he started tweeting. Every tweet he put out costs him a million. And it was to the benefit of the Eagles. Restructured his deal. It's really a one-year deal. Took a $3.5 million pay cut. Gave it to Bradbury. <laughs> they are on top of their game. That's why we're going to talk about their front office. They are on top of their game. Okay? Micah says that Carter could be better than Hardgrave. He better be. I think this guy's got a chance to be better than Quentin Williams. Absolutely. Dude, the noise level around the league right now is at a fever pitch. It's at a fever pitch. By the way, I'm not thrilled to death about watching guys in helmets and shorts, but you know what I do love? I love the fact that it, it signals football's here. That's what I love about it. The NFL season, do you not understand, starts today. The Jets showed up to training camp. Training camp today, Jets. I saw the guys walking into the facility. Awesome. It's the start of football. Here we are. Here we are. Fantastic stuff, man. Fantastic stuff. By the way, before I get into 
the Giants, and the Eagle front office. Can I ask you guys something here? Now, some sports books gave me some numbers on over-under. And they just came out. My friend Jimmy Shapiro just sent this to me. Let me give you a little bit of the odds when it comes to Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, and Josh Allen. So, I want you to listen to the numbers. Josh Allen, over under 4,300 yards. I'm going to say over. Josh Allen, over under 32 touchdowns. I'm going to say over. Interceptions, 13 and a half, over under. I'm going to say over. I think he's around 15. Here's Dak. Passing yards, 4,050 and a half, over under. I'm going to take the over. Passing touchdowns, 26 and a half. Over under. I think that number is about right. So I think he'll throw 27. I'll say over. 11 and a half picks for Dak. I'm going to say under. I think he's going to throw less this year. So 4,050 and a half for Dak. 4,300 for Josh Allen and 32 touchdowns over under. 26 for Prescott over under. Now here's Jalen. <laughs> oh my God. This is what the people in Atlantic City and Vegas think. The over under on passing yards for Jalen Hurts is 3,650 yards and a half. <laughs> Shit, he better not be under. The guys in Vegas are saying 3,650 yards and a half. 3,650 and a half, over, under. This is, this is not me. My boy Shapiro sent this to me. I'm like, so wait a minute. He's the only guy. I, I think Daniel Jones is at 30. I think he's at 35 or something. I think he's lower. He may, Wait, Jones may be at 38. Passing touchdowns. This is Atlantic City and Vegas over under Jalen Hurts. 21 and a half. (laughs) Jesus. So Jalen Hurts, Vegas thinks that Jalen Hurts is going to throw for 3,650 yards and 21 touchdowns. And eight picks. That's the over under. Eight. I would probably say he's under. So Vegas thinks this is what he's going to turn in this year. 3,650 yards and 21 touchdowns. Holy, I don't really think they respect you that much. That's like Tyrod Taylor numbers. Holy cow. They got Prescott at 4,000, almost 4,100 yards. Holy cow. I'm going to look, I'm going to look up the Daniel Jones. I'm going to look up the Daniel Jones one. I got to find out. Daniel Jones is projected by Vegas and Atlantic City. 
to throw for more yards than Jalen Hurts this year. Vegas thinks Jalen's not going to throw for more than 3,700 yards. Holy cow. Oh, man. Did I delete that? Dang it. I sure hope not. We'll see. I got Hurts making 4,000 yards and 50. Dude, never happened. Never happened. That guy will never throw for 4,000 yards. Hey, that's a great bet. Who do you think has a better passing season, Dak Prescott or Jalen Hurts? I'll take Dak. I'll take Dak. We'll have a better passing season because he always has. If it get now, wait a minute. Look at Weapon. Weapon with the great retort. Weapon with the right retort. If it gets us to the Super Bowl, I'll take it. That's the perfect retort. Yes, sir. Dak's stats haven't done shit for them. And he's had great stats for the last seven years. Does it matter? No. It doesn't matter. That still shows you, though, again. So, like I showed Tone and all you guys. So the NFL disrespects Jalen Hurts with the best 25 and under player. And now Vegas and Atlantic City are telling you this guy's not going to throw for more than 3,700 yards this year and 21 touchdowns. That's what they're saying. That they're setting the line on those numbers. They think Jalen's going to throw for 21 touchdowns, maybe a tick above. And 36.50 and a half. They threw the half in. Was that one yard? Okay. That's not a lot of respect. They don't think he's an elite passer. Vegas does not. Hey, Vegas and Atlantic City is telling you they don't think he's an elite passer. Daniel Jones is at 3,800 passing yards. Vegas thinks he's going to have a better season, Daniel Jones, than Jalen Hurts. I'm not saying this. I don't believe it. I do not believe that. I do not believe that. I do not. So don't don't tie me into that stuff. I do not believe that. Hey, Philly Godfather thinks he's going to have a better year. He does that for a living. Okay, so, all right. Let's get into... The Giants have dominated the news this week, obviously because of Saquon Barkley. Give me your assessment... This is your week 16 opponent. Tell me your take away on the New York Giants 2023. How do you see this team better or worse than what you saw in 2022 as they go into training camp? How do you see this team? And by the way, the Barkley, the Barkley conversation does dictate a little bit on this football team, okay? So how do you see the Giants right now before I give you my preview on them? This is your week 16 opponent. Giants are going 9-8. and eight. Well says they're about the same as the 2022 team. And Greg, that's probably true. Totally don't respect your team and what they've done for the last 24 years. It's really crazy. Giants are going to be mediocre. Remember something, though, guys. 
Remember something. Jeremiah, remember, you're talking the NFC. If the Giants are in the AFC, we're talking about a five-win team. But you're in the NFC. You can win games in that conference. There's not a lot of good football teams. It's top-heavy. And it, it, watch this. There's three teams, and then it's the rest of them. And that means anybody. And then the war of attrition, the roster, your depth of your roster. Any, I think you're going to see some surprise teams, especially on that side of the aisle. Okay? Because there's just not a lot of good teams. There's a lot of mediocre football teams in the NFC. All right? 6-11, and 11, line is lacking without Saquon. They are much worse. Okay, let me give you my takeaway on the New York Giants, your Week 15 opponent. Obviously, the news this week on Barkley and the contract extension plays a lot into the personnel that's on the football team now. Um, they were definitely one of the biggest surprises in 2022. And without Barkley, it is a blow to that offensive huddle for the Giants. Um, and it plays right into the ability for the Eagles to just keep treading water what they're doing. They don't have to do anything spectacular. You know what's funny? The Philadelphia Eagles really don't have to do anything spectacular because all these other teams are disintegrating around them. If you just stay pat and you're, you're watching teams implode before the season starts. Eagles sweep, 85, we'll tell you that at the end. Made their first postseason since 2016 this past season. In the offseason, here were the decisions. Daniel Jones, four years, 160. They tagged Barkley. They signed a broken down tight end at 17.5 a year. They upgraded a little bit in defense. They lost their center. Um... I mean, Darren Waller, I think they gave up a third-round pick in the 23 draft for him. But here, let me throw this at you. Here are the names of the giant wide receivers. Paris Campbell? Uh, Jamison Crowder? Isaiah Hodgins? Who are these guys? Who are those dudes? That's like the Eagle practice squad. Paris Campbell. Jamison Crowder. Isaiah Hodkins. Who are these guys? You're going to go into the 2023 season. Even if you had Barkley. With those guys as your wideouts, what were you doing? I mean, did you help your quarterback in any way? Darren Waller, in the third round you gave the Raiders. That's probably what his value is, especially since he hasn't played the last three years. I don't get it. On defense... Uh, Dexter Lawrence, outstanding nose guard, interior guy. They're good in the middle. Leonard Williams is a good ball player. Kayvon Thibodeau could be a great edge. Um, 
They ranked 15th last year. With those players being, like I said, hey, get, get this. So Dexter Lawrence made the Pro Bowl. And if I'm not mistaken, right, Tony was an all-pro. And they were one of the shittiest run teams in the league. How'd that work? How could you be one of the shittiest run defensive football teams and your nose guard made the Pro Bowl and he's the all-pro? Wow. Okay, must be cool to play in New York because Hardgrave's better. Hardgrave turned a better season into Dexter Lawrence. The giant defense sucked against the run. He's your all-pro? Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and 85 goes, the Giants drafted Jalen Hyatt. Okay, well, I hope he's good. As far as I'm concerned, he's me. Jalen Hyatt? Okay, all right, I don't know. <laughs> so now you lose Barkley. I don't see it. Where's the talent? Where's the talent on the Giants and the coaching staff? Okay, I guess. I think last year was a fluke. I think Brian Dable called a lot of people off guard, and I think that's the best you're going to see. A Dan- hey, I'm going to make the prediction. What you saw Daniel Jones last year, in my opinion, I think that's the best you're going to see. I don't think you're going to – with that talent around him, if that guy wins 10 ball games with Paris Campbell, Jamison Crowder, Isaiah Hodgins, if they, if they win 10, 11 games – Brian Dable's the NFL coach of the year, and Daniel Jones wins the MVP. Okay? I, I mean, again, I, I don't – Daniel Jones – I might be so wrong and Daniel Jones turns into Steve Young. He, he turns into Steve Young, and he's the best player we've ever seen. And he makes this gigantic leap. We, we've seen guys make uh, Jalen Hurts leaps too. You know, I mean, Mahomes – he burst onto the scene, same way Marino burst onto the scene. I don't see it, though. I don't believe in the Giants. Can I tell you what the Giants are to me, the New York Giants? They're like the Mets believing in that 100-win regular season of a year ago. They bought into the hype. And then they realized who they were this year. Everybody played great a year ago, but when it mattered, they flopped. I look at the Giants and the Mets, and I think they're the same team. They're the same team. They had a really miracle year last year because the division played. Remember last year, you guys? Last year, everybody in the NFC East played like the 32nd, the 30th easiest schedule in the league. Well, now you got to play better teams. You're going to get killed. That team playing the same type of schedule that the Eagles play will win six ball games. At best. At best. The Giants are a one-year wonder. They were a fluke. I don't think they're good. Shit, every I think the Eagles could have beat them with their scout team. I, with the, those games were never competitive. Never, I mean, the giant game with Cooper Rush was competitive into the fourth quarter. The Washington Commander games, the first one wasn't, the second one was competitive. The Giants never played a competitive... Would, would, would this be fair? 
that the Giants never played a competitive quarter in eight quarters of football last year? Would that be fair? I mean, would that be fair? They, they didn't play one quarter of football where you went like this, man, that's a good team. I'm not talking about playing against Minnesota. I'm talking against the Eagles. They stepped on the field and it, they won. The only thing that was competitive in that game was the coin toss. Was the coin toss. I don't see it. I, 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 I really do not see it. I do not see how, how that football team is going to win games like they did a year ago. How many like one-score games did they win in close games last year? That's like, that's like relying on the turnover margin as a stat that you can build your team to. That shit's luck, tip, footballs, what have you. You're out of your mind if you're going to put that in as a stat. You know, we're going to win a lot of close games this year. No, you're not. Because you're playing better teams. Dude, that's not a good team. This is not a good roster. And, and like I said, Dexter Lawrence was the nose guard all pro. And you were on one of the shittiest run defenses in the league a year ago. I don't know. <laughs> hey. That giant defense, compared to the Eagle defense, even with all the missing bodies, night and day. Night and day. Giants don't have a defense. Their corners are marginal. Look at, look at, look at, look at, look at, let's add another mistake the Giants have made in the last three years. You didn't get, you didn't get Jones on the extension. You've lost Barkley. You let, James Bradbury walked through the door. You sign a broken down tight end. And you tell me that you're in a better position today because you've got Brian Dable as your coach. Really? Um, I don't see that. I mean, yeah, but, you know, Tone goes like this. Tone goes, yeah, hey, Sills, you know, there's certain organizations that don't get it. But the Giants traditionally did get it. Since this, I'm telling you, since they changed management, and I'm going to tell you, Tom Coughlin was more important in that organization than people think. Because since Tom Coughlin has not been in that building, that football team has been a train wreck. You went to Dave Gettleman. You went to all these guys that just never made him made any sense at coach. The general manager's moves. See, I think you got too many people in the building there influencing the general manager and coach because you don't have any clarity in that building right now. And I'm going to show you what I'm talking about with clarity here in a minute here with the Eagles. Okay? I did some homework on their front office people. And I've done some work on, you know, who's in the building and the people that make decisions when it comes to evaluating personnel. And I've talked to some people about some of your guys. And I've got some feedback on them, especially organizationally, on how they do business. The owner's a great... I'll tell you this, one thing about Jeffrey Lurie, he knows how to hire. 
He's got a formula on hiring business, motion pictures, and football. There's got to be a common denominator in there. And it's got to be that he empowers people. And he's not a, he has no fear. He has no fear of paying a quarterback up front. He has no fear of giving people autonomy. And he has no fear of giving somebody a second chance. Howie has learned so, the greatest thing that Jeffrey Lurie has done has developed Howie Roseman into being the premier general manager in the league. Do you understand that? That owner has developed the best decision maker in the league right now, and it's paying off for him. Okay? Think about that. When someone goes, what's Jeffrey Lurie's biggest accomplishment? Having a guy who was instrumental in building me a Super Bowl and building me a roster year in and year out and being financially responsible, economical, and not afraid. Let's, let's be candid here. With all the moves and money that they do, how about this? They go cheap on running back and they go cheap on linebacker. They don't go cheap on quarterback. Even with Carson Wentz. They don't go cheap on quarterback. Those And they'll take the dead money. But they're not going to pay $20 million for a safety like Jamal Adams. They're not going to do that. They have a formula in the building on how they operate. The greatest accomplishment, football-wise, besides putting that trophy on Broad Street, is the development of Howie Roseman as general manager of the Eagles. He's better than Joe Banner. He's been better at personnel decisions and coaching decisions. If you look at all of his chapters, the book is yet to be finished. Okay? The book is yet to be finished. It's funny, man. It's a drama. How he starts out as a capologist guy back in the early 2000s. Makes his way through the corridor. Gets into personnel decisions. Gets into financing. Becomes senior executive of football operations. Gets put in a closet again. There's a couple low points in the book. All of a sudden, he skyrocketed. It's quite a drama. It's quite a drama. I want to get into this now. So the Giants, let me close this up with them. I don't see it. I, 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 I just don't see it. All right. Let's go here. Watching Eagles versus Giants was like watching Mike Tyson fight. Right. Against Peter McNeely. Absolutely weapon. Dude, when they flipped the coin, the game was over. Seriously. They flipped the coin, the game was over. Game. Game was over. It was never close. I'll do that tomorrow, 85. Okay? Promise. You've been asking me, I'll do it. All right. Let me ask you about your front office. Is this the best front office, the Philadelphia Eagles? By the way, you're coming off. You know what's crazy? And I hate to put this pain back on tone again. You're coming off of being bounced in the opening round of the NBA playoffs. 
and you hate everything about that franchise, you lost the biggest sporting event in the world, in our world, next to the World Cup in the Super Bowl. And yet you're more optimistic. Look at how you feel towards both those teams. Your stomach turns when you talk Sixers. When you talk Eagles, you're optimistic. You're coming off a heart-wrenching Super Bowl defeat. You have the same emotions that you have when you won the damn thing. It's just the polar opposite. The same emotion you feel for that loss you had for your win. I'll make this point to you. Is this a true statement? The loss hurts more than the victory on 17 when we won. I have more emotion towards that loss than I did towards when we won the Super Bowl in 17. Think about that. Tone said, absolutely. You feel more about that loss than even the greatest moment in Philadelphia sports history. Last year, that will go down in infamy. Right? Funny, isn't it? Those losses always last longer than the wins. It's that way with athletes. Okay. Is this the best front office you've ever had? Is this the best you've ever seen? How about this? Is this the best you've ever seen the Eagles run? It's a shadow that follows me absolutely every day. Tone can't get over it. <laughs> yeah, because you know why? You're so damn close. Is this the best you've ever seen the Eagles run? Whatever lifetime you've had. Yes. Okay, everyone's very optimistic about where the organization is right now. I'm with you. Let me, um, let me, let me, let me be fair to you and to or other organizations that are run like yours, KC, Seattle, Pittsburgh, You know who's starting to turning it around? The Jets. And you know my take on the Jets. Okay? You're starting to see better. Joe Douglas is doing one fabulous job. Fab, isn't it, isn't it funny? Veach, Eagle, Douglas, Eagle. Honey, that, 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 that's amazing to hunt all those names down like that. And they all got ties back to Philly. I can respect the process if there's a consistency. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no doubt the Jets are turning this thing around because the tutelage he had under Howie and the organization itself. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, there's very few organizations in the NFL that are run so well right now. And I'm going to start with the Eagles, and I'm going to tell you, here's my takeaway. And I did some homework into all your guys on why the roster looks the way it does now. Because if I, as I've said to you, you guys have missed on numerous corners. 
You've missed on scores of edge rushers. You've missed on linebackers out the rear end. You've missed on the running back position. Theoretically, you've missed out on the quarterback position all but maybe twice. And this has been over 25 years. And now all of a sudden, there's a new look to that roster. Over the last five years, there's been a transformation of that roster on how the Eagles draft today than prior to those five years. I never thought Howie was a good drafter. I never thought he was a good evaluator of talent. Something changed in the room, and I think it had a lot to do with Chip. Chip, ignoring Howie's takes and his opinions, made him absolutely. He must have really did his due diligence. I'll tell you something else. What was the name of the general manager of the San Antonio Spurs? Because Howie, about five or six years ago, said that he went to Europe with him when I didn't realize this, when uh, Chip was running the team and his voice was really silenced in the organization. Was it Buford, the guy that ran the San Antonio Spurs? He and him went on like a, like a um, European vacation kind of deal. And he said that he had learned so much from R.C. Buford. And he learned so much on how to run an organization, how to talk to people, how to trust his scouts. And he learned all this listening to a guy who constructed arguably one of the greatest dynasties of all time. Okay? Seriously, that San Antonio dynasty, R.C. Buford was the guy that ran that whole thing. And Howie said, I, I heard it on a podcast and I listened to it. You know what? It may have been Chris Long's. That's where I heard it. It was on Chris Long's. And I heard him talking about how he spent the whole summer with R.C. Buford. And they would just talk building a franchise and building a team. Talking about people and developing from within. And he, he said that he, taking away from what he learned from him, that's so great. When you can listen to a different perspective on how he built his team versus how others built. Remember something. What did R.C. Buford do? And what was he one of the very first guys to do? He was one of the very first guys to invest in the European players. That dynasty in San Antonio was not built with American players. It was built with foreign players, Duncan, Ginobili, and Tony Parker. All those guys. Those guys were foreign players. They were really the first to bring them in as a collective group and build a team around them. They won five titles doing it over a span of like 18 years. It's pretty remarkable. And so I'm going to start with Howie Roseman. Been in the organization since 2000. And various, here, here's what's important about this. Howie Roseman has been in the organization since 2000 with various roles. What does that tell you? That means he knows everyone's role in the building. It's like a quarterback knowing what defensive guys are doing and knowing all their techniques and knowing everything on what everyone does in the organization and what their value is to the organization. Knowing full well everyone's value, there's a value in everyone, from people taking the garbage out to people that are putting down draft boards. Everyone's got a role in a building, and you define your role by how you do your job. 
So that means him having all those various jobs in that organization, there's no coincidence why he understands the people that he has in his office now better than what he did before. Because maybe the first time around, he didn't value all that. He surely values it now since the Chip Kelly disaster. Okay? So let me put it here. Um, he gets credit as the architect for the two. Is that fair? He gets credit for the architect for 2017 Super Bowl. Is he the architect of that? That 17 Super Bowl? Um, I think that might be a little generous. I think he was a major part of it. But personally, did he have more input into the football team than what Chip did? Chip brought Stoutland in. Chip drafted Lane Johnson. Chip brought guys into the football program. If I'm not mistaken, I think he brought Brandon Graham in. Um, so, I mean, how, how, how much does he get for, for building that 17 team? Remember, he made the mistake on Wentz. Albeit they won the Super Bowl. Okay? How much credit does Howie... Hey, before we move on, how much credit does Howie get for that 17 Super Bowl, in your opinion? And don't let today what's going on now cloud your judgment. How much credit should he get for that 17 Super Bowl? Okay? How much credit does he get? I thought I thought Brandon Graham was drafted by Andy. Uh, Fletcher and uh, Kelsey. How much credit does he get? I think it was a collective group. Do we agree how he didn't have the power he has now, right? In 17. Omar says 45%. Almost half. I think that's a good number. I think that's a good number. Because like Michael says, Doug Peterson's got it, and his coaching staff have to get the majority of it. That coaching staff has to get the majority of the credit for winning the Super Bowl. Because there were injuries all over the place. And it was Howie's guys, but those guys coached him up to win. Nobody ever lost doubt. Okay? Interesting. Because, again, nobody wants to rewrite history. We want to make sure people get their justice in history, not rewrite it. Chip tried to build the house but couldn't figure out. So he left his tools at the job site. How he came in, picked up the same tools, revised the blueprint, installed different body, different parts, and ultimately got the job done. Correct. And, and, and know this, okay? He had to be involved in the Doug Peterson hiring along with the owner. So there's got to be some agreement in being able to work with each other and how he had to have some um, involvement in the hiring of Doug. They were right. Because at the end of the day, it resulted in a Super Bowl and a couple NFC division or a couple um, NFC East titles. Uh, a conference title, 
So arguably it was the most successful era of football. It didn't end well, but it was a very successful era of football when it came to uh, Doug Peterson and the decision-making that those guys all made there. So when it comes to being an architect, he's definitely part of building that 17 team and the current culture that you're seeing now. I'm just trying to be fair here with Howie because sometimes you look at it now and everyone wants to blow up one's resume here a little bit. And you got to be fair to everyone else that was in the building with him. You know, just because Doug's not in the building any longer doesn't mean you exclude him from the conversation. Also remember, Chip wasn't a terrible talent evaluator, just a terrible leader and human. Correct. Well, I, I don't know about being a terrible human. He's a college coach. College coaches don't have to get close to you. They usually don't because they've got 100 kids. College football coaches don't get too close to you. There's 100 guys and usually 10 deep at your at, at your position. How's he going to get close to you? Now, if you're a superstar player, you're going to have more of a, an affection towards those guys because you separate yourself. Like Will Anderson and the 10th guy on the roster at Alabama is not getting the same attention. That's a fact. However, if you're from 2 to 10, you think you're getting the attention of, of Nick Saban at Alabama? Come on, man. You got to work in yourself into that. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Don't can't stand. Can't stand Chip. I get it, man. College coaches, they lie to you. Remember something? Here's the difference between a pro coach and a college coach. You've got to be honest with your players as an NFL coach. You could be a bullshit artist as a college coach. Because 99% of the time, you are a bullshit artist. You're lying to players every day. NFL, if you're paying them, you got to play them. Which means you can't bullshit them. They're hard to bullshit. They're men. Pat on the backs in the NFL don't work. You see, you can... Pat a guy on the head and rub his fanny in college and tell him how great he is. Because the means to the end is him winning games and helping him win, helping you win games, which makes you make more money. That's how it is. College football, at the end of the day, 99% of them lie to you. Or, and what I mean by lie to you, they pretend they're your friend. You think Nick Saban was really Jalen Hurts' friend. When he, when, he, when he fired him. You think he was his friend? When he took the job away from him and gave it to someone else? You think that's a friend? It's like your wife leaving you. And say, hey, you can live in the garage. I mean, you think that was, a, you think that was good by Nick? Uh, Nick will tell you now, we're boys. And, yeah, it's because Jalen is a leader and he doesn't want any bullshit. Okay? Okay? You also said, Gabe, Shady and D-Jax, so what? Who cares? They brought you nothing. JM, it's funny. All you guys are so pissed off on how Chip handled D-Jax and Shady and who's the other guy? He was right to get rid of him. Not in the manner he did, but to what Tone said. He's just not a good dude. 
Well, he wasn't going to have good relationships with those guys. Two years later, you won a Super Bowl. You didn't need him. You didn't need him. You didn't need to win. You didn't need him to win a Super Bowl. That's the facts. The toys goes like this. He ruined your program. Two years later, he won a Super Bowl with some of the pieces and the greatest assistant coach you've ever had. That's rich. That's rich. Shady McCoy and DJX meant nothing to your Super Bowl team. Nothing. You didn't win anything with them. What made you think you were going to win with them? Well, if we would have kept... that's You don't know that. All I know is they weren't on the team. Think he evaluated Lane? You think he evaluated Stoutland? He is exactly what Tone said. He's not a people guy. That's why he's a college coach. You don't have to be a people guy to be a college coach. You have to be a professional car salesman. Or like an auctioneer guy. You don't have to be a great coach. That's why Nick couldn't cut it. The majority of those coaches can't cut it. Because you got to tell the players the truth. That's what happened with the guy from Florida, Steve Spurrier. Spurrier realized in Washington he had to tell the truth. But when he told, started telling the truth, the players didn't want to hear it. They didn't know how to massage it. Weapon. Chip Kelly helped us win a Super Bowl by leaving his playbook for Doug Peterson. I don't know about the playbook, but I know that the people that he left in the building were the foundation. Hey, Weapon, I think it's more this because that 85 play offense was not going to be something that they could work with because the reason you bring Frank in is to boutique a new offense. But the foundation of players that they left behind was the foundation of the 17 Super Bowl. That's a fact. Chip left the foundation for the Super Bowl. Eagle fans do not want to hear that. Okay? And probably because it affects Howie. That's why you do as much as you can to talk as much shit on you can on Chip Kelly because it builds up um, Howie Roseman's resume more, which in fact, it's not true. The pieces that Chip left behind was the foundation for the 2017 Super Bowl. That's a fact. You can call the organization highly unfunctional. Um, Locker room hated everybody. It was a volatile locker room. Players were divided. All true. That's not what I'm talking about. He's not an NFL head coach. Are you not listening? Okay. 14 playoff wins since 2000. It's the fourth most in the NFL, which is fabulous. And the 14 playoff wins equals the entire NFC East combined. Um, Executive of the year multiple times. I personally think one of the great achievements by Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles, um, I personally think that he has um, 
with, 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 without a doubt, without a doubt, he has developed Howie Roseman into the best general manager, or at least one of the top three general managers um, in the National Football League. Hey, hey, Tone, should I take a time out here and reset this? Because I want to get into the front office here. Let's do that. We're going to do that. I'll reset here a little bit. We've been looking at Eagle position rooms. We're looking at your front office now on why it's so successful, especially when you look at the entire NFC East now. Hit the like button. Hour two, don't forget Merrill Reese, 530 Eastern. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. like djx is going to go out and try to hijack and try to extort another football team for some money because i guess now he's not retired 
So he'll try to extort a team as much as he can. You know, he'll he'll sign a contract, make a couple million bucks, go on the IR, never see him again, and that'll be the last of it. You know, he he just did that. Now I think the last two times, he's hijacked teams and extorted them. I think people are on to him. Probably no one will sign him because of that. He'll never play another season again. He'll never play more than four games again. He'll go in and he'll extort another NFL team because they see the great speed. That guy could come off his deathbed and run a 4-3. You'll always sign 4-3, okay? But Deshaun Jackson is trying to extort another NFL team. That's what he does. That's what, he, that's what the pattern has been the last couple of years. He don't want to get hit anymore. He wants to put as much money as he possibly can because he knows. And he's th- probably the right thing to do is extort these NFL teams. You know, I'm all for getting the money out of the wallets of the owners. So I'm, I'm, it's okay. But if anybody signs him, know that you're getting blanks. This guy's got nothing in the tank left. And here's the more important thing. Deshaun Jackson doesn't want to give you anything. So when you sign a player like that right now in his career, he's looking for a paycheck. That's all he is. Again, I mean, hey, if he can do it and he can go in and run a fourth, which he can, somebody's going to get excited. And what he'll do is he'll pull up lame somewhere, Baltimore, Raiders, what have you. I don't know, Rams. He'll get as much money as he can. He probably got one more extortion in him. He's probably got one more extortion. I'm really glad that the Eagles didn't get extorted last year because, you know, they were saying, you know, in Philly, maybe you should bring back Deshaun Jackson for, like, punt returns. And I'm like, you think that guy's going to take hits in a punt return? That is not happening. He's the prime example of how players extort the league. So, that's who he is. So, I'm, I'm hearing he's not retired. Okay. Before we get into the Eagle front office, here's another one here. You know how I tell you about guys changing their history like Bill Polian and some of these other guys like try to change the narrative of how you see people? You know, like some of you in here who had an opinion of Carson Wentz years ago have now all of a sudden had amnesia. And now you said you've always hated the guy and he sucked his entire time in Philadelphia. And that Hurts was the savior of the franchise even when they drafted him in the second round. That's kind of what people have now convinced themselves in Philadelphia when they're sitting around eating bonbons or that new pizza from Wawa on Sundays. They're now trying to convince themselves that, hey, I love Jalen the whole time. You're such a liar. And here's a prime example of another guy trying to change the history. So Steve Kime is not some podcast, the former general manager. Of the, of, 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 the, uh, of the Arizona Cardinals. And so he's out here going like this. Hey, you know, what, what's, the, what's the line? He's under a lot of pressure. He has a lot to prove. So let me ask you something. If you're the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, he's under a ton of pressure and has a lot to lose. And prior to him proving that he could play with pressure and prove things to you, you gave him $46.1 million? Steve, that was your call. 
That was your call. The owner of the Cardinals went on your call. And now look what he's doing. Hey, Kyler Murray's got a ton to prove and a ton of pressure on him. So wait again. You gave this guy 50 freaking million dollars a year with a comment that he hasn't proven anything and if he could play with pressure. Solid. Okay? Solid. Dude, are you crazy? That's the kind of stuff right there that you call out. That's that's the stuff right there that you call out, man. He's now he's trying to take the um he's trying to take the heavy brick off him. You made that call, dude. You made that call. You checked off on signing not only him to that contract extension, but the head coach. What about the head coach decision, Steve? Or were you drunk because of the DUI? I don't know. Come on, man. You hear people talk like that and you're like, what? where's he coming from with that? You signed off on a contract, three-year contract extension for Cliff Kingsbury and a three-year contract extension that played Kyler Murray 46.1 million bucks. And you're now turning around saying this guy's proven nothing. And I'm not sure he could play with pressure. Well, bro, you 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 made that call for the organization. And now in hindsight, you know it's wrong, and you're now trying to put it on the player. That's why the Cardinals are the Cardinals. That's why the Cardinals are the Cardinals. Hey man. Real quick, before I get into your front office here, we're going to reset here in a minute. Um, how about Vegas saying that Josh Allen's going to throw for 4,300 yards or more, 32 and a half touchdowns or more, and they're saying that Jalen's going to throw for 3,600 yards and 21 touchdowns. <laughs> well, man, there's a lot of respect in Atlantic City and Vegas for your guy. Shit, they got at least got Dak at 4,050. And 26 and a half touchdowns. Holy cow. <laughs> so wait, nobody in Atlantic City believes that Jalen Hurts is going to throw for 3,800 yards? I looked it up. They think Daniel Jones is going to throw for more. <laughs> hey, Brock Purdy. is cl- Who has a better season throwing the ball, Brock Purdy or Jalen? Um, whew. <laughs> whew. Oh, I don't know. Purdy? He's in a weaker comp weaker conference in a weaker division? I don't know. Holy cow, man. No, I, this ain't me saying it. This is not big sales. This is Atlantic City. Bets.com or something. Yeah. 3650 baby over under Jalen Hurts and 4300 for uh Josh Allen and 40,000 or 4050 for Dak. Mahomes is at 4500 so is Burrow. 44 hey get this. The guy in Los Angeles too Justin Herbert is at 44 4400 yards. Jalen's at 36. 
almost a full thousand yards less. <laughs> okay. Hey, that's all right. All I know is this, this ain't big sills. This is Vegas. These are the people that kind of put their money up. Jameson goes, we don't care. All right. I mean, I don't really care either. I thought it was interesting, though. <laughs> Damn, they don't even think your guy's going to throw for 3,700 yards. That's less than a year he had a year ago. For Hey, I'll make that bet with people. So when we go to King of Prussia drinking beers, I'll make this point to you, man. You guys will be buying Big Seals a bunch of beers. He ain't throwing for 4K. There's not a chance he throws for 4K. Okay? Shit, man. Josh Allen will have 4K by week 12. <laughs> All right, we talked about your front office here. And we're looking at position rooms. Um, Howie's just done a really great job. As, how about this? As an organ... Is Howie Roseman a better general manager than Polian? He's not better than Ozzie Newsom. Ozzie Newsom, no way. Ozzie Newsom could pick coaches and personnel, Hall of Fame personnel, um, MVPs, and he's been there forever. He's won two Super Bowls. So the, the, the general manager, in my opinion, in the last 25 years, 24 years, has been Ozzy. Two Super Bowl championships. Two different quarterbacks. Um, Hall of Famers. Monster winning. Legendary players. Legendary acquisitions. He's been the best GM in 24 years. Okay. Super Bowls. Okay. Um, went through a transition of moving the Browns to Baltimore. He's been the best general manager. Schneider's been great in Seattle with Carroll. Those two guys have done a nice job. I think Mickey Loomis down in New Orleans is a good GM. I think they've been in just so much hell because of the Breeze contract at the end. And now with Kamara's contract. Um, so, yeah. Guys are all caught up on Jalen throwing for 3,600 yards, according to Vegas and Atlantic City. I thought that would touch it off a little. And only 21 touchdowns. Think about it. They think he's going to have a lesser year. Las Vegas thinks that Jalen's going to have a lesser year than he did a year ago. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it. Las Vegas, Atlantic City, thinks Jalen Hurts is going to have a lesser year. Now, 21 touchdowns, eight interceptions. That's two more than he did a year ago. And 36.50 and a half. And all the other elite quarterbacks are 4,000. Daniel Jones is projected to have a better year than Jalen Hurts. And I'm not saying that. Hey, I'm, I am totally not saying that. I'm just reading you what I read. 
Woo, man. Lesser year than a year ago. Dude, I think if Jalen Hurts is around 3,700 yards and 22 touchdowns again, and he's around six to eight picks, they're going to be in the NFC title game again. What do you care if it's 5,000 yards or 3,600 yards? As long as you got Lincoln Financial hosting the NFC title game, what do you care? What do you care? Oh, you want your guy to be mentioned in the same breath with those other guys? He'll never be. That's why he has to win. Because if Hertz doesn't win, you're never going to put those guys in that conversation with them. <laughs> he has to. The, by the way, the only reason you are putting Jalen Hurts in the conversation with those other guys is because he wins. That's it. Okay? That's totally it. Okay? <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. All right. Let me so we went through Howie Roseman. Great GM. I'm going to go through the rest of your front office and guys that have been really doing a great job. Sills, you know that there's only two ways he does do better, refs and injuries. Well, again, he's been hurt the last two years. Thoughts on Jalen being great in a couple categories like Jalen or Elite and one like Herbert. Um, 85, I'm not sure where you're going there. Um, but he he'll 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 be gauged by how many wins he has. He's not going to be gauged by numbers he puts up because he's not going to put impressive numbers up. But what people are going to remember is that guys around him put impressive numbers up. That's important. See, once again, I'm kind of like hitting you in the ribs a little bit, but Jalen makes everybody better around him. The quarterbacks in today's NFL make themselves better. And they're all gauged on those numbers. I mean, like I told you, look at a giant wide receivers. Like, who are those guys? Daniel Jones is going to throw for 3,800 yards with those guys. With, with here, with uh, Paris, Campbell, Jamison Crowder, Isaiah Hodgins. Who are those dudes? Who are those guys? Okay. All right. So let me, let, I, I want to get into the work that I did last night, looking at how you guys have structure in your front office. It's pretty interesting. You've got a couple assistants to the general man, manager here, John Ferreira, who's been in the NFL for 17 to 18 years. And I think if I'm not mistaken, I think he's been in Philly eight years. I happen to know John. And let, let me tell you a little bit about him. He worked on Park Avenue. He, he worked in the front office there um, around the commissioner. He knows administrative things. And so, again, when you're talking about situations that pop up like the Jonathan Gannon thing, Howie's got a guy here that he can lean on. It's him and this other guy, Alex Hallaby, who's a Harvard guy. And these guys handle all the parts when it comes to negotiating for coaches through the league, 
the connections, there's no question that those three guys, two underneath is two underneaths. Those two guys have a lot of influence on how he and how he structures his organization. They're very well respected. You really have to dive deeper when it comes to the personnel people inside the organization. And when you look at them, there's a lot of people that have ties to really great organizations that have had success in the past. I want to give you a guy here. Um, Anthony Patch, your director of college scouting, worked for Dave Wanstad in Miami with the um, – with the Dolphins. And he is, without a doubt, one of your absolutely great college guys when it comes to really having massive connections. I'll tell you what, your personnel people, Max Gruder, um, is another guy who is well-respected. Connor Barwin, who's another guy who's highly highly respected i think he's a former player and i think if i'm not mistaken i think he was in houston and if i'm not mistaken i think he worked with bill o'brien um and he worked in houston when they were acquiring all those great talents um it's really a great front office and how he really leans on every every one of these guys you know it's not a massive front office either Tony just said the Green Bay Packers announced that they received $374 million in national revenue from the NFL last season. Multiply that by 32. That means the NFL distributed $11.98 billion to its teams, up from $11.18 because they're publicly owned. The Packers must release their finances. So let me get this right. To close up this, the Eagles organization is as good as it gets. I want to read this one last thing here to you again. Because they don't have an owner, and like Tone said, they're publicly owned. I actually have like a friend of mine who gave me one of the stocks. I think you got to live in the county, though. It It's really kind of like for show. It's nothing. I've got a stock. It's pretty cool. The Green Bay Packers announced they've received $374 million in national revenue. That's not local revenue. That's national revenue. From the NFL last season, multiple, multiply that by 32. And that means the NFL distributed $11.98 billion to its teams. Up from $11.1 billion because they're publicly owned the Packers must release their finances. Well, let me say this to you. Then why did the NFL salary cap go down for the players during the pandemic? If all these numbers are continuing to rise like they did. Do you know that the NFL revenue has been going up for the last 15 years every year? Why did the salary cap go down? Why are running back positions now losing value? If the cap's going up, if revenue's going up, shouldn't the players be benefiting from the revenue going up? You could thank D. Smith for that. You see, at least when Gene Upshaw 
was the executive director of the NFL Players Association, it was a 50-50 split with the players and owners. Jerry Jones and Bob Kraft and Paul Allen, when he was alive, said, F that. Why are we sharing? This is our thing. So they cut a 52-48 deal. And they get to dictate for the next 10 years of labor peace. That's what D. Smith's testament is as he bows out as executive director. He took a knee to the owners, giving them labor peace for 10 years. He cut a deal that was in favor of the owners and left the players out to dry and the veteran players with no benefits still to this day. How do you see all these numbers continuing to go through the roof? The NFL is going to be a $20 billion a year industry. I would say when they figure out how they can maximize gambling, it's going to be a $20 million a year deal. Okay? It's going to be a $20 million a year deal. And the cap went down, and they blamed the pandemic. Don't ever believe the National Football League. Okay? Don't ever believe them. They'll never tell you the truth. They are not partners with the players. They're partners with gambling and the television networks. That's their business partners. The NBA has business partners. Okay? Player salaries are going up, running backs notwithstanding. Yeah. 16% every year. 16%. Do you know that Jerry Jones in 1990 bought the Dallas Cowboys? To go with Yale said, do you know that Jerry Jones bought the team, the Dallas Cowboys, tell him for $154 million, 1989, I think it is. 1989, he bought the Cowboys. They're worth $10 billion today. Value of those teams go through the roof because you know why? They extort you to get places like Lincoln Financial made. They got wealth enhancement programs all over the country now. All new stadium is built on the back of taxpayers because they use your civic pride against you to build those buildings. Because they know Eagle fans never in a million years ever think about not building them. Place like Philly. Shit, I'm surprised the owner hasn't come with retrofitting Lincoln Financial. That's coming. You know he's going to ask for $175 to $200 million to retrofit and upgrades for Lincoln Financial, and you're going to pay it. And in Philly, you'll probably gladly pay it. You play it in Buffalo. You play it in Pittsburgh. You, you, you extort people when you do that. So wait a minute. Let me get this right. You know what's crazy? So wait. People in Philadelphia build Jeffrey Lurie a stadium. You built him a house. He gets all the benefits. And the benefits you get is going to the games to watch a team he owns that goes up in value and he raises season tickets on you. That's a great deal. It's like a car wash. <laughs> you never lose the money on that. Holy cow. Think about, how about that, Tom? Tom, build me a house. What, what, what do I get out of it? You get the satisfaction of driving by and looking at it 
and going, boy, that's a really good looking house, man. Man, look at look at Dan living in that house. I built that second floor. Yeah. Look at that. Thanks, Tone. Yeah. What about the concessions? Don't I get anything? No, no, that goes 100% to me. Yeah, but I built it with my tax money. So? So? That's beautiful. <clears throat> uh, look at, look at, look at, look at JM. JM stadiums and retrofits are great for cities. They're built in local union labor, which keeps money in the city. So how many jobs do you think a seasonal guy making hot dogs outside of Lincoln Financial and parking cars and unions when you got a seasonal job? You think that having a Lincoln Financial creates jobs? It's part-time jobs. Parking cars, vendors, people at the turnstile. They're seasonal. They're low-paying. At least they could do is allow fans to build up points that they can... Right. Are you, that, that would be great. You get Hey, at least you get that tone at a casino you know you get that at a casino you know you build points up they give you shit food and all that stuff free rooms not in the nfl man they double dip triple dip what was that stupid thing they had for years that psl thing right so if i pay five grand i get or five or six thousand bucks so that allows me to stand in line and maybe get season tickets for eagles and maybe Maybe, and it's non-refundable. Maybe I get tickets for like season tickets and I get a chance. And that money's non-refundable. Those PSLs. I wonder, hey, did you guys did you guys fight that thing at all any when you guys were being asked to build the owner a new stadium? Okay. Did you, did you guys, did you, was that, was that an easy push through? Was that an easy push through? Huh? Every team in this chat owns <laughs> Niners. I, 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 come on now. Come on now. Oh, Niner, I got something for you. Hold on. You're not getting out of here scathed. Where is it? I got something for Niner here. Yeah, I got something for Niner. It's about Brock Purdy. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, please. Okay, I got something for him. I got, where is that? Oh, yeah. So, Trey Lance... has the respect of every 49er player in the locker room. You ask George Kittle, everybody respects Brock Purdy. Man, he has the respect of Jalen Hurts. Trey Lance 
has the respect, Niner, of every guy in that building, especially the players. But when the players are asked about the kind of confidence they have in his ability, that's where it goes south. Hey, we think he's a really solid stand-up guy. (laughs) What about him as a player? Well, less than be desired. You wasted three number ones on a good guy. (laughs) Hey, hey. Hey, Tone, you gave three first-rounders for citizen of the year and not a football player. Brock Purdy is a hell of a guy. He is going to be the San Jose Mercury's man of the year. No, no, no. You mean player of the year. No. Man of the year. I don't want a man of the year. I want a player of the year. Lance will prove them wrong. Who his own teammates? Dude, his own teammates know he doesn't belong in an NFL uniform. You are not the damage of perception that has been done to Brock Purdy. He hasn't even played yet. You'll never recoup anything of value for him. If you put Brock, if you put Trey Lance on the open market right now, you'd be lucky to get a third rounder, let alone a one. And three you gave up for the guy. Holy shit. Woo! You got the man, the San Jose Mercury's man of the year or the green page. The green sheet. That's the sports page in Frisco. The Chronicle. Hey, you got it, baby. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, do you see who the player of the year is on the green sheet? Who? No, no, not player of the year. Man of the year. Who's the man of the year? Willie Brown? Nah, Willie's won that thing before. Former mayor of Frisco. Who, Nancy Pelosi? Well, she's probably won man of the year a few times. <laughs> who, who is Trey Lance, man of the year? No, 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 no. I don't want, hey, just so you know, I don't want my quarterback winning man of the year. I want my quarterback to win player of the year. Seals, don't you want a good guy? I don't really care either way. If he's cool, that's, uh, that's great. So that's why when you guys tell me how great a guy J- – Okay, sure, okay. I don't care. I'm never going to break bread with him. I'm never going to have dinner with him. It's wonderful he's a good guy. Um, I'm thanking you for not robbing a bank. Okay. But if he's a jackass and he's the MVP, I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) Trey Lance. Hey, Niner, you got a hell of a guy, man. What a man. He's a really good dude. He knows how to take defeat and being a loser in stride. <laughs> I'm not sure I want that on my roster. Dude, if I had a guy on my roster that took being a guy who took defeat well, would you want him on your team? Hey, man, I'll tell you what. This guy knows how to take adversity 
And when someone talks shit to him, man, he knows how to handle it. I th- did he tell him to go F himself? No, he said, thank you. I'll have another. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah, so when someone talks shit on Trey Lance in San Francisco, he says, thank you. I'll have another. You see, in Philly, that guy, if he had any kind of sack on him, he'd be saying this. Hey, why don't you come get something? And then he'd crush a beer can over his head, and he'd gun it. And Kelsey would be there laughing at you. Man of the year. 49ers have the man of the year. <laughs> Congratulations to you. Mel Reese will join us at 5.30. I can't wait to talk to the guy. Damn, man. Choo. Oh. Damn. Man, hey, Trey Lance, he's a hell of a guy. The San Jose, the San Jose Mercury News is man of the year. <laughs> yeah. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. 
G-L-E-S Eagles Meryl Reese 530 Eastern So here What if Dak Prescott throws three picks Against the Giants in the opener <laughs> Oh man Hey what happens to Dak if he throws three picks against the Giants in the opener? Is there a quarterback with more pressure on him in 2023 than, than Dak Prescott? I mean, Mike McCarthy could be fired after week one. Could you imagine everybody in Philly and San Francisco doing this? <laughs> oh man shit could you imagine okay could you Dak throws three picks against the Giants I think it's Sunday night that's a Sunday night game right dude could you start to see people going you gotta fire Mike McCarthy then the next guy you fire is Dak he, he might not make the year the, the Cowboys could be trading for Marcus Mariota. You might want to add one more to Yale. Hertz, Allen, Burrow, Dimes, Rogers. The guy in Cleveland. Deshaun Watson. Remember, man, there's a bag of money that goes around with that guy every time he takes a snap. Okay, there's 230 million guaranteed. By the way, Nick Chubb's next up, man, for them not getting running back paid. Dude, Dak Prescott puts three picks. That Hey, that Dallas Cowboys season could be over. And now you've got Zach Martin bitching. Zach, Mark, Zach Martin makes $7 million. And he's going to Canton. He's a Hall of Fame guard. He is. He's one of the very few Notre Dame guys that's actually panned out and been a great player. And, and, and I mean, I'm trying to think. Um, DeMarcus Ware was a great player. That I'm trying to think of the players that Jerry drafted that were Hall of Famers. Um, uh, let's see. DeMarcus Ware. Uh, Zach Martin. Who did Jerry draft that was a Hall of Famer? Probably Jason Witten. This guy's been his best player. Okay? This this is this is his best player. And he's making seven million. Okay. Think about this. Nobody recognizes the Cowboys franchise deep in the playoffs since 95. That's mediocre, right? Um, they haven't been deep into the playoffs since 95. Mediocre. It's terrible. If your best moments, the Cowboys' best moments are in the rearview mirror right now. Do you understand that? 
the Cowboys' best moments are in the rearview mirror. They're, they've not been recent. Okay? You're, you're, you, they've not... The best game that they played was the Packer loss. That's it. <laughs> that 49er game was pretty entertaining last year. That was a pretty good football game. Niners were hitting in that game. That was the Niners' best moment when they had everybody standing upright, including the quarterback. Niners, I, I, the Niners looked great in that game. I mean, they had to come from behind. They had to do a bunch of things in that ball game to win that game. It was a very contested football game. And Dallas played great in that game. But, hey, just showing up, putting your name on the test, like my boy Tone says, that doesn't cut it, man, especially when it's gone on for 25 years. Got to win games like that. The Eagles win games like that. They win close. Here, I'll tell you this. And you guys tell me if this is the difference from the organization. The, let, me, let me put this out there to you. You think the better you think the organization is better run now than with Andy? You think the Eagles are better run now since Andy has not been in the building? And and by the way, Yale, Joseph, and all of you, Michael, that say yes. It is a shot at Reed. It is a shot at Reed. And Banner. It is. They were, how about this? They were frustrating. Just when you thought they were there, they trip. I don't think it's in spite of him, though. What do you think, Sills? See, let me tell you something about Tone. He knows how to be a politician when he's dealing as a producer with a host. That's why that guy's going places. Well done, my friend. That's how you do it. Very well. This guy's guy. This guy knows the game already, and how to deal with host. I will not be shocked if you get a job offer, um, from from like a network, like NBC. Well done, Tone. Tone goes like this because he's disagreeing with me here. Listen, sure, I don't think it's in spite of him though. What do you think, Sills? <laughs> Nicely done, my friend. You are so learning. I'm so proud of you. That is so well done. He's basically telling me he doesn't want to be rude and be a, a jerk to me. Sells. It ain't because of Reed, jackass. Okay? What do you think? <laughs> it's all good, Tone. I know the game, too. It's all right. Um, But Andy was part of that process. And Andy had major influence in that process. Whereas the coaches today don't have a major influence in the process. They're part of the process. And they're part of the front office. And the Eagles win bigger games now than they did with Andy. Okay? You know why? There's more influence 
with more people in the right positions. The GM, the coach. By the way, the GM picks the coaches, the players, and the head coach to run his players. You don't really believe that Nick Sirianni sits around watching Alabama games. You don't really believe he watched Keely Wingo, Ringo and watched him play college football this year. You don't really believe that Nick Sirianni's watching a, a fourth-round guy that they take and that they had no idea who they were going to take. You don't truly believe that, do you? It's the people that I mentioned that's in the front office that bring the tape to these coaches and they go, what do you think? Then they get input. Then how he makes a decision. Nick Sirianni's got no say in personnel decisions. None. Remember, he had to beg to get Zach Pascal in the building. Remember what he said? Yeah, you know, we thought we needed a number three guy. I went to Howie, seeing if we could work it out, and Howie worked it out. Paraphrasing, but that's that's from Nick Sirianni's own mouth. Okay. It's funny how everyone is under the impression you're head coach. You know, no, I'll, I'll take that back. I'll take that back. I think all these other head coaches wanted to have more. You know what? In spite of him, well, Tone, yeah. Here's why. Well, Andy Reid had more say in the personnel and was more involved with Joe Banner and picking the team and picking the guys, picking the offense, talking to the quarterback, picking the quarterback. The recent group of guys don't have that autonomy. What's been more successful? The coach not having as much say as Andy did have been the last two coaches. Wouldn't you agree? One thing I'll say, Reed has been overwhelmed in years past. Hey, and I would also show you this too, Tone. Look at how the team is disintegrating around Andy Reid now, okay? The first Super Bowl, they had a lot more talent on the football team. And now they have lesser talent. That's going to continue to trend that way. They just lost Orlando Brown. They had Chris Jones is going to hold out. Dude, the money that's being thrown around for defensive tackles, Chris Jones signed a contract a couple of years ago that made him the highest or second highest paid defensive tackle. He's like sixth now, and he's going to want to be the highest paid D tackle, which is going to put him in the $28 million range. Are the Kansas City Chiefs really going to pay $30 million for a D tackle? Okay. No, 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 no. Here, I got it right here. Um, yeah, Chris Jones and the Chiefs working on an extension. He may not show up to camp. That extension was a couple of years ago. He's working on the extension that he signed. He wants a new contract. He, he wants a new deal. And it's being reported that he may sit out training camp here. So are, are, are you paying him? 
You're kind of in a position now. He's getting older. Do you pay your best defensive player, maybe one of your greatest defensive linemen in the history of your franchise? Jones top DT in the league now, so you're going to pay him $30 million? So you're going to pay – when do you address Travis Kelsey? He's the sixth highest paid tight end, or maybe the fourth. You know, you, Do you know that Dallas Goddard makes the same salary that Travis Kelsey does? Did you guys know that? Travis Kelsey makes the same money that Dallas Goddard makes. <laughs> yeah, Kelsey's underpaid. So wait a minute. Are you going to give it to Chris Jones? Or are you going to give it to Travis Kelsey? Because he's more effective and more important to you than, than Chris Jones. Chris Jones is important, though. He had a great Super Bowl against the Eagles. Okay. Merrill Reese will join us at 5:30 Eastern. Please hit the like button. Power hour coming. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on action news. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes, go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean, visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh.
hour. Number three, our friend Merrill Reese will join us at 5.30 Eastern, the legendary voice of the Philadelphia Eagles. Would we say in the last 15 years of NFL play, these have been the dominant defensive tackles and interior tackles in the sport? Donald, Fletcher Cox, Adamic and Sue, Vince Wolfort. Is there one more? In the last 15 years for a stretch, inside that for a period of time, would we agree those are the four in the last 15 years have been the most dominant um, defensive tackles? Calais Campbell's an end. Interior tackles. Okay. So from 2008 up to now, yeah. Yeah. From 2008, that sounds right. I'll go from that. That's enough body of work. Jones from Kansas City. Would you put Chris Jones in there? I think he belongs in there. Chris Jones belongs in that conversation. So Donald, Fletcher Cox, Sue, Wolferk, and Chris Jones. Um... So since 2008, by the way, I'm going to ask Merrill this. <clears throat> if I had to rank those guys and put those guys in order, Donald won. Sue or Fletcher Cox? This could determine... Because we brought this up yesterday about Fletcher Hall of Fame. Adami can sue stats. Adami can sue. Five Pro Bowls. Defensive Rookie of the Year. Fletcher Cox. Six Pro Bowls. All-Decade Team. Who's the better player? I didn't think it was going to be this close.
Fletcher's been more consistent of a pass rusher. Sue's fallen off as of late. Dominic Sue stats. I got asked this question last night. One, six, six, two and a half, four and a half, four and a half. Yeah, he never had a double-digit sack season except for the first year he played, and he's at 71 and a half. Fletcher Cox stats. Fletcher had 10 and a half, seven, three and a half, six and a half, three and a half, ten and a half, five and a half, six and a half. He's at he's 10 less. Or he's at, excuse me, six less than Sue. He'll pass him. He'll pass him. I would say Fletcher Cox has been the second best defensive lineman since 2008. And Sue's third. I would not have said that four years ago. I would not have said that. I'll put Chris Jones fourth. And I'll put Wolfirk fifth. So, you think the you think in the last 15 years, the second best defensive tackle is a six-time pro bowler, a two-time champion, NFC champion, and a Super Bowl champion is not worthy of consideration for the Pro Football Hall of Fame? I think you're crazy. And for the amount of success that the football team has had winning. Fletcher Cox, really, since 2008, has he been your best football player? Has Fletcher Cox been your best football player in the last 15 years? One thing I'll say, they both have been model of health throughout their careers. Yeah, oh, that's a fact. Tone says this, you can argue Lane or Cox. Who's been the most productive in Mr. International? I, I do too. Has Fletcher Cox been your most productive football player the last 15 years? Both sides of the ball. Tone says, yes, he has. That's quite a proclamation when you've got two Hall of Famers he's competing against. Do you understand when you make this comment, Tone just says, Fletcher Cox, in his opinion, has been the best Eagle in the last 15 years. That means better than two potential Hall of Famers. And Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson. I'm going to ask Merrill Reese that. That's actually going to be my first question to him. Okay. I may waffle. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with waffles, man. 
Ain't nothing wrong with waffles. Brandon Graham is not in Fletcher Cox's league. It's not close. In production and in dominance. Brandon Graham has never been a dominant player. Fletcher Cox has been a dominant force. From the first time out of Ole Miss when he put his fingers down in the dirt for the Eagles, he's been a force. Okay? And there was a time when I liked him more than Donald because I thought he played the run better. Aaron Donald is not asked to play the run. Aaron Donald... um, Aaron Donald is asked to make TFLs. And again, it's a different NFL. It's not his fault. It's just a different NFL. But that's why a six foot 275 um, defensive tackle could play in today. Do you understand that's why he could play in today's NFL? Have you ever looked at the size of Aaron Donald? He's six feet tall. He's 270. He's not a giant dude like the guys you have in the middle in Philly. Everyone's always under the notion that Aaron Donald's is big. He's not. He's a powerful guy. He's fast, but he's six feet, 270. He's not a big guy. Okay. He, he, I mean, him standing next to Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter would look funny. He would look like a fullback compared to those two dudes. I mean, Donald was a Pennsylvania champion. I'm not talking about his ability. I'm talking about his structure and his 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 physical build. He's a little guy. Okay? He's a little guy. Philadelphia. He had a great play against Brady. He's not a dominant player. He's a really good player. That's not dominant. David Tyree had a great catch in the Super Bowl. Wouldn't consider David Tyree one of the greatest giants. Shit, the guy Butler had an interception on the goal line. He was benched two Super Bowls later. Whatever, dude. Again, I hate talking like that because it sounds like I'm throwing shade. I'm not. But when you're talking about a player's position and you're talking about a player's status and how others look at him and you evaluate him, Brandy Graham has been a really great football player for them. He's not a dominant player. He's never been and never will be. 11 sacks is a heck of a season. Heck of a season. Okay? I wouldn't look at him and say that's a dominant end, though. Never been. Brandon Graham has never been considered one of the better defensive ends in the NFL. By anybody. I'm not even sure how many Pro Bowls he's made. Has he made one? I think he made one last year. Did he? Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham. Hey, to play as long as he did is a great achievement. Yeah, he's got a Pro Bowl. Good. 2020. Fantastic. 
Okay? I'm talking about a guy who's got six versus another guy who's got five. We're talking about complete dominance here. I mean, Fletcher Cox has been a spectacular player. And again, that's why I'm bringing it back a little bit here um, because yesterday we brought it up and there's some people saying that they don't think he is. Well, then you're not going to think Sue is. And Fletcher Cox in the last 15 years has been the second best defensive tackle in the league. That's quite an accomplishment, especially when you're seeing that the money that's being paid out to defensive tackles today had seven sacks last year. And people said, like me, wasn't the best start off to the season. I think he finished strong, so he had a pretty good year. Seven sacks is not a pretty good year. Seven sacks from an interior defensive lineman is spectacular. And we're saying that's – get this. You know what's, you know what the most – right, Tone? You know what the most people are saying about Fletcher? You know, he's not quite the player he used to be. The guy had seven sacks and 50 tackles last year. Okay, well, I don't know, man. I mean, what the hell was his um, – what was his high ceiling bar? That's pretty damn good. You know, I probably have put him up and expected a little bit more out of him. But then I look at it and go, 50 tackles, seven sacks, DT? I don't know. That's getting around the horn and getting making plays there. Okay? Um, hey, man. Only played 40% of the snaps. Dude, he's a great football player. Chris Jones will probably... I want to see where he is in sacks because Jones, again, it's a different era with Chris Jones and Aaron Donald, though. These guys are not asked to do the shit that that Fletcher Cox is being asked to do. Chris Jones. Chris Jones stats. Chris Jones has been in the league longer than I thought. He's in the league longer than I thought. 15 and a half last year, nine. He's got 65 and a half since 16. That's a lot. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven years. And he's got 65 sacks. He's almost at 10 sacks a year. That's nine a year. He's getting around the horn, man. That's pretty good stuff there. Seven sacks is the second lowest snap count percentage in his career. Cox played 65% of the snaps. His career high is 81% and 15 and career low is 52% his rookie season. And he had, I believe six that season as well. Um, Jason Peters did. He, he did dominate for a long period of time as well. Okay. 65% for a guy that's 32. And then you bring him back at 10 million. I thought the number was crazy. Today, I think he's underpaid. If here, if, if Jordan Davis gives you gives you if Jordan Davis duplicates the season that Fletcher Cox had last year, it'll be a grand slam year for Jordan Davis. And everybody at the Novacare Center will have a sigh of relief. Because right now, everyone at the Novacare Center is doing this. I don't know. They're hoping. You don't ever want a personnel department hoping that the player pans out like the Kobe Dean. 
You're hoping. You have no intel to tell you he, he will. I don't care how smart he is. I don't care how many national championships he played on. I don't care what conference he played on. Can he play in the NFL? Yet to be determined. And again, even for me, even for me, we'll see. Got a lot on his plate. Got a lot on his plate here. Um, I thought it was pretty cool what we saw with Madden. Madden's got some pretty good statistics. Okay? And they both ranked Lane Johnson and Trey Williams as a 98 when it came to tackles. And I brought this up, and I'll continue to bring this up, to be fair to Trent. Trent plays left tackle. It's a more of a premium position. Does that make Trent better than, than Lane? Um, Lane fits the system perfectly in Philly. Trent, you got to remember something about Trent Williams, too. He crushed people in Washington. And he's still continuing to crush people in San Francisco. Doesn't matter where he is. He's he's an offensive tackle version of Larry Allen. That's how good that guy is. You have to understand when you're talking Trent Williams, you're talking Larry Allen-ish kind of stuff. He is a first ballot Hall of Fame guy. There's not a debate. He's better than Joe Thomas. Okay. I, when, when you give me Joe Thomas or Trent Williams, uh, there's no comparison. They gave Hassan his flowers too. He ranked in the top 10 edge rushers in Madden with a 91. That's great. That That's that's absolutely great. And he should be. Dan, thoughts on Mozzie Smith? I thought he was a third rounder. A lot of people like him out of Michigan. Um, I want to see the kind of impact he's going to have on that defense. You still think Cox is overpaid? No, I do not. Actually, I reversed that. And I think actually, Sidney, I think he may be underpaid. Maybe he should have been a $15 million guy because seven, seven sacks and 50 tackles, you're, you're, you're making it happen. Lane goes up against the best DEs in the league. No, the blindside tackle takes on the best. That's that's really not true. They move now today, Yale, to be fair to your take, they move guys around more. Um, and they just don't rush from the blind side as much as they used to back in the day, like they did. But the blind side is the vulnerable side of the quarterback, not the front side. I mean, the right tackles, that's why there's less of them in the Hall of Fame than there are left tackles. You have to have a premium and premier left tackle to protect your quarterback's blind side. They, they do. They, and, and, and it's more where you're seeing guys being put on the front side and on um, over the right tackle. But the majority of the uh, premier tackles in the NFL today are not right tackles. It's him. I think there's another guy um, – uh, and he, he, I think there's another guy. I can't remember where. Maybe the Texans. Jeremy Tunsil's a left tackle. Uh, the kid in 
Los Angeles with the Chargers as a tackle, left tackle. There's very few guys that are right tackles. And that's why they really pay those guys. Usually, and what used to happen in the past, if you were a failure left tackle, they moved you to right guard or right tackle. And that's why, you know, you don't really see premium positions at right tackle. Hey, again, like I said, the, the Eagles run the ball. They're in an RPO offense. He benefits from that. And, you know, he benefits totally from the RPO because that's the system they run. They don't run a drop back. You would never have Lane Johnson in a drop back at the right tackle position. You'd want to move him to your premium position at left. I would, because I have to have my blind. If you're Joe Burrow, you don't want your right tackle to be your dominant tackle. You want your blindside guy, the guy who gets your back. Why in the world would I want to have a guy, my best tackle in front of me when I can kind of escape and see what's coming at me at least versus a guy I can't see behind me. That's why that guy makes the most money. Stoutland made the call to put Malata at left tackle. Malata's a better athlete. Malata's a better athlete. He's proven it. Malata's the better athlete of the two. Not saying Lane's not a great athlete. He's the better athlete. Here's a guy that didn't even know how to put on football pads. And now he's starting left tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's played in the Super Bowl and is becoming more of a dominant player every time he steps on the field and he never played the sport. That's all you need to know, dude. Here's a guy that never played the sport. It's like finding a lacrosse guy and having him as your left offensive tackle. And he never put the gear on. He's never been through an organized team practice. He doesn't even know what a water break is. He has no idea what it's like to push a sled with five other guys. Had no idea. He's the better athlete. What what Jordan Malata has done has been insane. You don't find a guy who's never played a sport and... He's one of the top 10 tackles in your sport. And he didn't play it. He's only played the game three years. That's crazy. I saw the NFL put a rule in, in the R. They haven't changed anything in the RPO. Imagine finding a USFL quarterback and turning him into one of the best pitchers in baseball. That's what a lot is like. Yeah. You found a guy. And you saw a 6'8", 350-pound frame. And you just assumed he could do what? Play tight end? Play D-tackle? He probably could have played all them positions. Jordan Malata could. Jordan Malata is so athletic, he could probably play DT, tight end. Two guards, right tackle. He's your best athlete in the line. This guy never played football. He never played. Fo- I don't give a shit if he played Australian rules football. He never played professional football. He doesn't know what a drop step is. He doesn't know how to get on second level, skip, slip and scoop. He doesn't know how to defend a backside linebacker blitzing. He doesn't know how to pick up 
uh, blitzing linebackers or safeties. His footwork, where did he learn that? It was an innate thing he had. Stoutland, what do you mean, Scott? You should be revering this. This guy is so gifted. Can you imagine if he had four years of college? Jordan Mulata, he'd be the first pick in the draft. You don't do that. You, you don't just go, well, I'm going to try this sport and become one of the top nine guys in the game. And you've only played three years. What? That The whole story on your team, Lane's great, Fletcher's great. Those guys play 20 years of football. Those guys played three. Three. Right. And Mr. International, he could be pinned at your left tackle for the next decade. And so, like, over the last, get this, over the last 20 years, you'll have two guys playing left tackle for you? That's how you win championships. So you could have, in theory, outside of some injuries, you could have, for the next 25 years, two guys that played left tackle for you. Holy cow, is that great. I mean, and then you got Landon Dickerson. And I made the comparison to this. Look, I'm not saying that these guys are going to be Upshaw and Shell, Upshaw and Shell, but they can have the same kind of impact. Landon Dickerson has rolled into being a guard. Remember, there was talk of playing him at center and that they thought that that was going to be the position because they've been trying to replace Kelsey, which has been almost impossible to replace. So they settled him in at guard. Do you realize that's what they're hoping for? The same kind of result with Cam Jurgens. They're hoping Cam Jurgens, and they, they'll go into the draft looking for another center and get Kelsey's help again along with Stoutland. They're hoping Cam Jurgens turns into Landon Dickerson. Because if he turns into Landon Dickerson, it's a homegrown guy, and you developed him the same way you developed Dickerson. Look at the look at the guys at your old line too. Just just I mean again, it's such a great job in the organization. Seventh rounder, second rounder, sixth rounder, third rounder, fourth pick. Okay. The range of the draft picks, but the result in the effort is at the same level. They they didn't overdraft anybody. They actually underdrafted, and Lane was right on the fourth pick. Who's the first ballot Hall of Famer? Lane Johnson, Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, Jason Kelsey. Uh, Kelsey Martin Johnson Smith. We're efforting our friend um, Merrill Reese here. I know the tones work reached out to him. So let me send him one too here. 
Let me send him one here too, just to see where my friend is. Could be on the golf course. Cause he, hey, he likes to play some golf here. Um. So I sent him one too. So we'll see if we could get him. Hopefully we're able to run him down here. Kevin, working on him, working on uh, Merrill here. Just, just a great job of working. Again. Okay, so he just answered me, uh, Tone. Can you uh, – hopefully he gets the link here. So he just he just answered. Okay, good. Correction, Sills. It's he didn't know past tense. No, no. He Hey, by the way. Okay, hey, Tone, he just said send him the link. On its way. Hey, Cohen, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> hey, Tone, it'll be better than Pete Rose. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it'll 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 be better better than than Pete Rose. I'll tell you that. Right? It's all of absolutely, man. You never go or say anything, anything. When Merrill, hey, Merrill's Merrill, man. We're good. Anything he does. So um, hopefully he got the link here. So we're able to connect here with him here in a second here. Yeah, Tone, if you could just follow up with him. I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. So we'll see if you got it here. No shirt, Pete Rose. That's what my wife said. Please don't stand up. She's like this. She hey, she went like this. She goes, you don't think Pete's gonna stand up? <laughs> yeah, we were both like this. We were like, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know if he's gonna stand up here. Would, who would you compare Landon Dickerson to? Man, he's so big. You know, health has been. Health has been the question whether he's going to make it through or not. Okay? And he's been great. I thought, I'll tell you what, man. I thought Sayamalo was absolutely great last last year as well. And I, I thought he actually played pretty well in the Super Bowl too. So, yeah, I, hey. Um, let me, let me send this here. Producing on the fly, <laughs> along with my friend here, Tone. God, I hey, listening. I tell you this, because when I sometimes when I have to get into the car, and I'm driving back from Phoenix, and I'm listening to him and Mike Quick, because I, I we got serious, you know, dude. That's a great broadcast. And they do a great job at WIP putting that game on. They really do. Those guys are fantastic. I love, though, the fact that we, we opened – hey, I hope to God that, you know, here, let me, let me, let me put this down. Last, last 15 years. And before we get Maryland here, look at all the noise that's going on. 
in Dallas, New York, Washington, and it's not going on in Philly. It's not going on in Philly. All they're doing is getting ready for the football season. And with that being said, our good friend Merrill Reese, he joins us now here. And Merrill. Hi. A lot of noise going on in Dallas right now, New York, Washington with ownership. And here are the Eagles getting ready for the season. That's right. All they did was we went in today to get our NFC championship ranks. That was it. Oh, wait. Did you get yours? Yeah. Can I see it? Can you see it? Uh, just a minute. All right. Hey, can you bring me my ring? <laughs> ah! <laughs> like the Pope. <laughs> can you bring me my ring, please, honey? Oh, my God. I want to see right this there. thing. I'm in the bedroom. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. So the whole team got their rings today? Now, the team had gotten their rings a little bit earlier, but the rest of the organization got them today. Oh, so people in the front office, the coaching staff then? I think they may have gotten them earlier, but I think every, all the different departments, everybody in the building got a ring. Oh, my God. That is, that is so gangster by the owner. The owner gave everyone – they traditionally don't do well, some places don't here it is. He did this, he did this with the Super Bowl too. We all got rings. Here it is. Let me see this thing, okay. Merrill. Wait a moment. I have to get it out of the I've got Excuse to get me. It out of the case. <laughs> it's a it's in a beautiful case that lights up. But I will give you the I will give you the exact ring in just a second. Okay. All right, folks. You are now looking at the NFC Championship the ring NFC here. Championship ring. It's almost as large as the Super Bowl ring, Dan. Uh, Put it up there. Tell me if you can see this. Hold on. Here we go. Raise it up a little more. There, little to the left. There it is. There it is. Look at that. Just, just a few diamonds. <laughs> Look at that thing, man. It's that is large. so awesome. I'll show you how large it is. I'll put it on for a second. Okay. Oh. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You'll have no problems at Wawa wearing that thing if anybody tries <laughs> jumping you. <laughs> the, the problem is uh, every time I shake hands with people, I feel like my knuckles are breaking. <laughs> That's the problem with the Super Bowl ring. I'm not complaining. They're beautiful and I love them, but they're not they're not practical for everyday wear. Merrill Artos, isn't that really wonderful to be part of an organization like that that you not only get a chance to do your dream job, but you get a chance to do dream moments and do. convey I, it to your to your community. But here's here's the great thing, Dan. Uh, I do not work for the Eagles. I work for Odyssey Broadcasting. And our entire crew, including our producer, Joe McPeak, received this ring. Wow. Yeah, yeah but, but, but Merrill, we all know sun. this. If the Eagles didn't like you, it ain't working like that. <laughs> oh, I love that. They're, they're great people. Jeffrey is a wonderful owner. Absolutely. Merrill, I heard you on WIP the other day. You made a comment I'd like for you to uh, expand on it a little bit. Uh-oh. To this day, you believe that you guys were the better team in that Super Bowl. Tell me why you think that. Well, I do. Uh, I, I do. But the better team won. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is 
the team that deserves to say they're the better team is the team that, that won the game, and that was Kansas City. So I wasn't trying to take any credit away from Kansas City because they deserved it. I just felt that I just felt that Hertz played a tremendous game, but that one fumble uh, that resulted in the scoop and score changed everything. Do you agree, Merrill, that and I believe and I agree with you, I believe that the Philadelphia Eagles had the better roster and the better roster of talent in that game, but it came down to coaching and the quarterback, Merrill. I mean, and they would have had to have learned. That was maybe more of a learning experience for this young team because there's such a great energy and vibe going into this 23 season that that's, I, I believe maybe that loss is going to fuel this team where some teams haven't been able to get back to that game. I, I don't know that a loss fuels them. Dick Vermeule once told me that losing never does anything good. <laughs> He's but right. this team is motivated and their workers. Um, listen, Andy Reid's a great coach, but Nick Sirianni did a terrific job. And Jalen Hurts just played a great game. But but it, two plays, two plays changed that game. And I know there's a lot of fans on the talk shows who blame Jonathan Gannon and the defensive scheme in the second half. And there are those who blame the condition of the field, which was deplorable. But both teams played on it. And there are a lot of people who said that the holding penalty on Bradbury should never have been called. But it was holding and Bradbury admitted it. Uh, maybe it should have been called earlier in the game, uh, the same type of thing. But regardless, it was holding. But there are two plays. There are two plays that would have changed that game. One was the scoop and score because the Eagles were driving again. That was a huge mistake. And the other was the 65-yard punt return that they gave up late in that game. Those are the two big plays. So, um, you know, I may feel that the Eagles had the better roster and, you know, by a, a little bit. And I thought that I thought that Hurts absolutely held up well against Mahomes. If you're going to look at the performances of both quarterbacks, he was just as good that day. But those are the reasons. Those are the two plays that I believe cost the Eagles that game. I would also add this one, the Quez drop. You know, I thought that that was the key <laughs> point in the game too, Merrill. Yeah, but these are plays that could have changed the outcome. Yeah, yeah. Could have. But, yeah. but they were not the killers. Merrill, do you think this team could be better than last year? Could they? Uh, you know, I, I, I'd settle for them being just as good, to be honest with you, because they rolled for the through this season at a very impressive clip. Uh, so as we stand here now, or sit here, I, I think the Eagles, on paper, are the best team in the NFC. But games aren't won on paper. And I always say, uh, I, I was doing an appearance this morning, and they said, do you think the Eagles will be back there again next year and have a chance to, to win their second Super Bowl? And I said, I think they're talented enough today. But the wrong three injuries at the wrong parts of the season change everything, can change everything. You know what? I'm, I don't know about you, Dan, but I have never, never taken out a pen when they announced the schedules in April and start putting W's and L's down because they don't mean anything in April. If you can tell me who's going to line up for the Eagles and who's going to line up for the Cowboys 
on December 10th in Dallas, I might have a pretty good idea about who I think will win that game. But you can't do that. If you had put me on the spot last year and asked me about the game in Dallas, I would have given you a result based on Jalen Hurts, not Gardner Minshew being the quarterback. So you don't know. You don't know. That's what makes this whole thing intriguing. They're good. They're good enough to win a Super Bowl. Will it happen? None of us have that kind of crystal ball. What I always do, Merrill, is on, like, I'll use July 19th. I'll always say to people when they ask me, what do you think, Dan? Is this a 12-win team? I always say this. Well, let's look at rosters on July 19th. I always put an asterisk, Merrill, on that because, like you said, this traditionally comes down to the war of attrition. And if you have the deepest team, which the Eagles did a year ago, and I don't think they have as deep with – I'll take that back. I think they could be as deep, but it's less experienced of a roster than it was a year ago of NFL talent. They could have higher ceilings. Jalen Carter, uh, Jordan Davis, Nicobe. That all, like you said, it's pie-in-the-sky stuff. So I look at rosters. Do they have the best roster? Yes, them at San Francisco, and I would say the linchpin is obviously the quarterback position in Philly. Um, I think the quarter, I think the coaching in San Francisco is a little bit overhyped. You got to eventually put your name on the test, don't you? Is Merrill, Brock Purdy, I mean, you got to win. Brock, is Brock Purdy the quarterback? I guess. I'm right. No, I, I'm with you. I'm like, I, I plus is Brock Purdy. Is he was he an anomaly? Was that a one year deal? He, was he Geno Smith one year? Job. I'm not taking anything away from him, but he is a young quarterback who is not really proven. He hasn't done what Hurts has done over the last couple of seasons. Uh, Hurts is Hurts is a great talent. He really is. Anyone who thinks that it's all hard work, yeah, nobody works harder than Jalen Hurts, but he's gifted. He's very very gifted. He should have been a first-round draft pick, if people recognize that. But I have an Our Lads Guide to the NFL Draft, and I read that, came back and read it again last year, and when he was a senior in Oklahoma, they called him the player with the biggest upside in the draft. And he was. He, He has turned out to be a great young quarterback. Will Purdy be that way? I mean, he was drafted with the last pick of the draft and he did remarkable things but i i don't know that he has a, a, a remarkable talent in every aspect i'm not sure well merrill here, here here's what happens to quarterbacks and here's what happens to a lot of people when you get into the nfl you could go on a stretch run of 10 11 12 games especially at the quarterback position you could go on a stretch like that because there's not game film on you once these coordinators get the game film on you and they start getting your tendencies of what you do and what you can't do, Merrill, that's when you really have to improve. Right. And that's where Jalen improved. And, and will continue to improve. I mean, this guy has worked every day. This guy wants nothing more than to be the very, very best in the game. And I think he's right up there now. I think he's a top three or four quarterback. I really believe that. I mean, you'll get guys on talk shows who want to make reputations and say he's not a top 10 quarterback for some reason. He's a top three or four quarterback right now. And he, he is definitely there. Let me let me say this to you. 
I brought this up about Fletcher Cox, and I didn't realize how close it was that he was a Hall of Fame guy. Six Pro Bowls, two NFC Championship rings, a Super Bowl ring, um, as many sacks almost as a Dominican Sue. In the last 15 years, has he been the Philadelphia Eagles' most consistent and best football player? Mm. Probably not. Um, very, very good and, and Hall of Fame worthy when you're talking about the achievements. But can you say he's been Lane Johnson? Then Jason Kelsey? Brandon Graham has been terrific for 14 years after the first couple. But, I mean, that's, that's I, I'm not saying that he's he's not one of their most consistent football players, but I, I wouldn't put him ahead of Kelsey and, and Lane Johnson over these years. I mean, Kelsey's, Kelsey's a six-time pro bowler, too. You know, Merrill, but here, here's where I go with, with, um, with Fletcher. Fletcher Cox, though, everyone was like, you know, um, he had a he, he had a really good he had a good season, but you know what? He kind of stumbled a little bit, you know, at the beginning. He had seven sacks and fifty tackles. Yeah. If you get that from any defensive tackle in the NFL, I mean, if Jordan Davis puts that up this year, Merrill, that'll be a grand slam for the Novacare Center. Dan, it sounds like I'm fighting against the good things you're saying about Fletcher Cox. I'm not. I'm not. I, I like him personally, and I respect him professionally, and I think he's he's a great football player. But is what you just talked about any more impressive than Lane Johnson not giving up a sack in two years? No, and no, no. Again, you know, and it's unfair sometimes too, Merrill. It's because, apples and oranges. But the but the definition of right tackle will always be on the evaluation of him. Now, the, the game has changed, Merrill, from when you first got in it and the right tackle position was considered that's the guy you put there if he failed at left tackle. There's no longer that because you have multiple fronts now. You put right. guys everywhere. You move them all around. It's not that's just the blindside guy anymore. So that it, maybe, maybe it's just too much old school thinking for me because – it's right tackle versus a D tackle. That's a disruptive guy and has been a disruptive player for 15 years. You, you make a good point. And again, I'm not disagreeing with you. I know. I'm only saying that, that these other guys are right along with Fletch. Absolutely. Last question for you here. Um, the coordinators. Is it concerning that they're the least experienced guys in the league? No, no. Why? Because how about the fact that Brian Johnson has known Jalen Hurts since they were since Jalen was six years old and tried to recruit him to Mississippi State and has worked with him for these past couple of years and knows everything about him. And you still have Nick Sirianni overseeing the entire defense, the hope the entire team actually. And in Sean Desai, uh Jonathan Gannon was a young coach uh, when he came in here, and, and I know he has his detractors. I'm not one of them. He still had a defense that held the opponents last year at 17 points or less per game. He did a terrific job. That's why he's now a head coach. But 
Sean Desai has credentials, and he's his disciple, as you know, of Vic Fangio. And that tells you a lot. So I'm not concerned. You know, hey, I, I want to expand on this one last thing here with you, Merrill, about Brian Johnson. I had a conversation with Dan Mullen. I didn't realize that he was the offensive coordinator with Dan Mullen in Florida, and he was the offensive coordinator in 14 with Mississippi State. And guess who else? With Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. Right. He was the guy that was essential in the offensive production and yep. also of the development of Dak to where Dak went from being a nothing at Mississippi State to having them ranked number one at one time during the year. And now Dak Prescott's a $50 million guy. So where, where my point is, Merrill, is that here's a guy that's actually developed and has a developed quarterback on his resume. So he has to be considered the guy that's essential in at least part of it in his development. And I'm talking Hurts. And, and that's why they wasted no time in naming the the offensive coordinator. I mean, they they knew all along that if Jonathan went, Brian Johnson was the guy that they wouldn't have to go shopping. Absolutely. Merrill, I love the ring, man. That thing is just look here. No, a little more over because I'm gonna take a screenshot of that. Look at that thing, folks. A little higher. There it is, right? Little little to the left, right? There you go. That's awesome. Merrill, how's the golf game? Good, good, yeah. good. Playing well. Steady. Shooting your age? <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave I'm, it there. I'm, I'm not. I'm not talking age. No, no. I, <laughs> I, I, I haven't shot a 51 yet. <laughs> hey, thank you very much. Six days to training camp. Our legendary friend Merrill Reese always finding time. Thank you so much. Congratulations, a beautiful ring, on you being presented. That. Thank you so much, Merrill. Thank you, Dan. You bet. That's our good friend, Merrill Reese there. Absolutely awesome, man. Hey, Tone, we got to get a shot of that thing. We got to – hey, hey, James, we got to get a screenshot of that thing, man. That's how you do it, baby. Hey, and you know what, too? You know what's crazy? Everyone goes, Sills, it's second place. No, 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 no. It's the collection. I have an NFC champ, really, actually two NFC championship. And a, so Merrill could go like this. I've got two NFC championship rings and a Super Bowl ring. That's what you're doing here, okay? <laughs> it's not just, you don't walk around with the NFC title ring. You walk around with the NFC title ring and a Super Bowl ring. So that when you walk in, hey, when you're walking in, and you're going like this to people. Yeah, how's the day going? Yeah. <laughs> how come you got how come your your hands up high? Why wouldn't you? Dude, if I had a ring like that, I'd be walking around Philly going like this. Hey, could someone buy me a cheesesteak or a beer, please? Could could hey, hey Tony, I'd be walking around like this. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow, man. Oh, that was fantastic seeing that ring. That's the first time. That's the first time I've seen that ring. Okay. That's the first time I've seen it, man. I don't have a problem. The Super Bowl ring looks awesome. Diamonds and green emeralds. I, I love the bird's colors. Okay. I, I do. I love the bird's colors. Okay. Cowboy smacking the Eagles. 
Dude, well, West Coast, I really can't say no to that because the Cowboys do smack the Eagles around. So, this is the one thing that I I still can't. Hey, Niner. Niner, wait a minute. Since I can talk to you, Niner, Vegas only thinks Jalen's going to throw the ball for 3,650 yards this year and 21 touchdowns. Vegas. And they think Josh Allen's going to throw 4,332 touchdowns. Dak's going to throw 4,100 yards and 27 touchdowns. And Jalen's going to have 21 touchdowns. Dude, they think Jalen's going to have a lesser year than what he had a year ago? This this ain't me. I didn't say this. Vegas in Atlantic City has said it. Damn. Damn. Y'all Niner fans was in tears when the Eagles knocked y'all out. Hey, Niner goes 21 touchdowns, and he's laughing out loud. Allen is playing eight. Dude, guy went 13 13 and three last year, and you say he sucks. That's an arm talent. That's arm talent in Buffalo. (laughs) Oh, man. I know, I thought me and him were like kind of going back and forth on Fletcher, but he thinks, I think he thinks Jason or um, Jason Kelsey's more of the last 15 years. Is there rushing touchdowns as well? I think they said 735 yards over under, and I think they did have 10 rushing touchdowns. So, Jalen Hurts. Hey, how about this one to close it up? Tone, everyone, over under Jalen Hurts runs the ball for 200 attempts this year. Shit, I should have did this one earlier. Over under Jalen Hurts, 200 attempts. He had 165 and he missed the last couple games. And they didn't run him. So he was on pace for, let me see, 165. He was on pace for 16, 16, that's 32, and then one more. Oh, yeah. He was on pace for 200 carries. Under. Under. 900 yards and 15 carries. Yeah, well, hey, wait. You're right, Steve. He's your best running back. Jalen Hurts is your best running back. (laughs) Then again, Josh Allen's Buffalo's best running back. And Lamar Jackson is Baltimore's best running back. It's all good. Want to thank Merrill Reese, man. That was awesome seeing that ring. So happy that they honor. Boy, that owner is really great in Philly. Hey, look at Jeffrey Lurie compared to Josh Harris. Look at Tone. Sills, please stop. End the show. I can't have any more of that. 
Hey, dude, Tone went so deep into the Sixers today. I was like, wow, that's an angry fan. He's been angry since Elton Brand. <laughs> okay? He, he's been angry since Elton Brand. Okay? All I'm saying, man, I heard him talking. I'm like, this guy's been pissed off for 15 years. All right. Hey, Joe, Xander, thank you very much. All of you, please hit the like button. We really appreciate it. Tone, you are absolutely becoming, if not already, an essential part when it comes to broadcasting now, let alone producing. You're killing it. I really appreciate it. Three to six tomorrow, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.